Welcome to the Ransomed Heart Podcast. This is Alan Arnold, and today we are diving back into a two-part message that we began last week from John Eldridge. The topic, Restoring the Soul. David says he restores my soul. I'd like to speak a little bit to what that process looks like. He restores my soul. I said this evening that I'm going to put something before you that's really extraordinarily simple. But if you grab onto it, it will do absolutely phenomenal things for you. The idea is very, very simple. Okay, You live in a war. Your soul is taking damage all the time. You need your soul restored. And God provides for that if we will make ourselves available to it. Okay, so let's go back to Psalm 23. How? How does God restore my soul? Part of it is given right here to us. It's so simple. We stumble right over it because we're looking for something that's like, I don't know, shinier. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. So he's describing a process here, actually. Okay? And I love that first thing about he makes me. Because initially, you kind of have to be forced into this. It's a fascinating thing in the Iditarod. I don't know if you have followed any of those reality shows on the Iditarod. But those dogs, those dogs love to run so much. And it is so deeply in their DNA. Like, they just love it. They just want to run, 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 run. And I think they will literally run themselves to death. The, the mushers literally have to make the dog lie down every day and rest. Or the dog will kill itself. Right? And just out of his joy and his passion for running. Okay. It's like, no. Like, he makes me lie down. And so two categories are being given here, this idea of green meadows and peaceful streams, two categories, lying down in green pastures, leading me beside quiet waters, stillness and beauty are two of the many things that God uses to restore the human soul. Did you know your soul needs to like do nothing once in a while? Like nothing. You just compare your daily experience to your grandfather's or your great-grandfather's. The amount of information, stimulus, noise, the amount of stuff that, like, comes at you on a regular basis. Like, do you realize how many cell signals are passing through your body every day and all of the Wi-Fi? and Like, you are bombarded with stuff. And to, like, be forced into stillness. Your soul needs to literally do nothing on a regular basis. Okay? He makes me lie down in green pastures. So the idea of stillness, just giving your soul a regular opportunity to do nothing. Not think about anything, not process anything, not plan for anything, not even pray. Just nothing. Just like let your soul Rest, let it be restored through stillness. And then also beauty, right? The thing of the green pastures and quiet waters, like, man, there is nothing like beauty to restore your soul. We love the ocean. We don't get to it very often. My wife 
loves the ocean. I love it too. And it is so amazing. Every time we get to the coast, any coast, anywhere, how amazing it is to just sit and watch just the ocean do its thing, just watch the waves come in. And like it is so phenomenally healing because of the beauty of it. Just the exquisite beauty of water and the ocean or rivers or lakes or waterfalls or even rain. If you have space to enjoy it, like beauty, music, right? Beautiful photography, the way the sunlight comes through the window on a Sabbath morning and just the way it plays out on the kitchen counter. Like that's enough. Like just to allow stillness and beauty to enter into your soul is extraordinarily healing. I told you this is simple. If you'll do it, it will have phenomenal consequences to you, for you, and blessing upon you. So like two very, very simple questions. How often do you practice stillness? Just stillness? I'm not going to ask my soul to do anything right now. How often do you do that for yourself? It's a good measure of self-kindness, your answer to that question. Because the world's not offering you that, right? I mean, again, 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 that's the world, right? And then where do you drink in beauty? Like the human soul has this enormous thirst for beauty. A lot of the reason why guys get taken out by the sexual stuff is because it's their only experience of beauty. Like they don't take in beauty, you know, like they know they understand they need potassium and vitamin C and exercise and oxygen. You know, they, like they get that stuff, but like your soul needs stillness and it needs beauty in order to be restored so that you can enter back into the war stronger, better next time, growing, learning. Okay. Another category, stillness, beauty, another simplest thing in the world is asking for it. Asking God to restore our soul. Father, Father, please, I pray you would restore my soul. Restore my soul. Restore my soul. I'll pray that a lot before I get out of my car when I get home at the end of the day. Like just before you get out of the car, whatever's waiting for you, like you just turn off the ignition and you lay your head down on the steering wheel and you just say, God, restore my soul. Because he's eager to do it, but we don't often ask. Asking for it, like put yourself into a position to receive it. And I don't mean you just ask for it like once. Okay, all right, John told me to ask for that. I pray you'd restore my soul. That's not going to work. It's the idea of I'm putting myself in an available position and then I just like stay there and repeat it and go, God, like I need you to restore my soul. Restore my soul. Restore my soul. Restore my soul. Okay, asking for it. The power of scripture to restore your soul is really quite remarkable What's amazing, it is completely beyond understanding, okay? I'm not talking about Bible study, okay? Psalm 19 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving 
the soul. Like, literally, if you'll just allow yourself to just consume Scripture, right? Read the Psalms. Read Ephesians. Just read something. Like, this isn't your quiet time. This isn't your Bible study time. You're not filling in a journal. Just let it wash over you. It actually has a phenomenally restoring effect on your soul. Like, it works. Here's the cool thing about everything I'm saying right now. Stillness, beauty, nothing, you know, asking for it, scripture, these different things I'm pointing out. You don't have to know how this works for it to work. Like in our medical age, like we're so intrigued with knowing how everything works. Like you don't actually know how your body assimilates oxygen, but you benefit from it all the time. Like you're not like thinking through the process of, oh, wow, my body is assimilating oxygen right now through my red blood cells and it's carrying it to the different parts of my body. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And then it's like circling out the toxins. Next. So you don't know how that works, really? It does. Like that's the great thing. Like understanding doesn't equal healing and clarity doesn't equal restoration. Like that is one of the big, I mean, understanding is highly overrated. We just live in a world that's fascinated with knowing stuff. You don't have to know how that potassium helps your heart. You just eat the banana and you feel better, right? Like you just, right? Okay, so the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. And if you'll, if you'll allow yourself to drink from that. Also, what you withdraw from, what you withdraw your soul from is important in the process of the restoration of the soul. In First Peter Chapter 2, he says, friends, friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, abstain, withdraw, disentangle, fast from sinful desires which wage war against your own soul. Like you do it as a self-care thing, right? Okay, I want to show you how unbelievably blatant the enemy is. So, I'm working on this today, and I'm looking up these scriptures, and I'm trying to go, okay, where's that First Peter scripture? Chapter 2. I thought it was in Second Peter, and I couldn't find it. Turns out he's in First Peter. And so I'm on one of those online Bible programs, a couple of great ones, Bible Gateway and BibleStudyTools.com. Really helpful stuff, right? You can get in there and look up stuff quick. So I'm looking up this verse and the advertisement that starts playing in the column next to me, right? This Asian goddess right? It's the, there's the verse. Dear friends, I warn you, right? And like, there it is. I'm like, oh my gosh. And the thing is before, you know how the ads rotate, like before I could figure out, I had to ask John, how, how do I take a, I'm like texting my son and I'm texting John. I'm like, how do I do a screenshot? Like these guys aren't going to believe this. The girl that was on there before was this unbelievably gorgeous African-American woman who was wearing a camouflage bikini waging war on my soul. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Like, this is so unbelievably blatant, okay? There it is, guys. Like, what you choose to disentangle from, what you need to, like, pull back from, it's like the simplest thing in the world. Like, whatever you use for comfort. And I'm not talking, okay, you know, and, like, knock that off. I'm saying whatever you use for comfort, if you will pause for a moment... And say, Jesus, comfort me. I need your comfort right now. I'm looking for comfort. I can feel the pull toward comfort. Would you just comfort me right now? And you'll be amazed how 
quickly he would love to do that if you'll let him. But it does require that abstaining from the other stuff that's trying to take. It literally says it's waging war against your soul. I also need to explain that. Some of you who know how this advertising thing works, okay? So Google knows what you've been shopping for recently. And no matter what website you're on, it'll start showing you Google ads that are related to that. Sammy Dress is the company. It's a dress company. My wife was on there, okay, looking for dresses. Know that some of the kind of technophiles here are going, well, well, he actually brought that on because of what he was cruising for, you know? (laughs) No, no. Look, I know that that's a nightmare. I know that's a nightmare, and I don't feel like destroying my soul. So I, I don't play in those closets. But the last thing I want to give you in in this, just this very, very simple thing will prove to be extraordinary. Leanne Payne has a wonderful book on healing prayer, on inner healing. And her basic thesis is this, that the soul is healed through union with God. It is God coming into your soul that does the healing. The soul is healed through union with God. Now, this is an extraordinary thought. Stay with me. God has a soul. Did you know that God has a soul? He's not just a spirit. God has a soul. In Leviticus 26, he's promising the people, I'll make my dwelling among you, and my soul will not reject you. God has a soul. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, He's promising, you know, faithful shepherds. And he says, I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and in my soul. God has a soul. Isn't that cool? Right? Because he has the capacity for memory and passion and desire and courage and pain and stamina and endurance and intellect and curiosity and creativity, like all those capacities of the soul. Well, like if God doesn't have a soul, how'd you get yours? Right? So God has a soul. In John chapter 12, Jesus sees, you know, his moment coming and he says, now my soul has become troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. My soul, this is God talking. He says, my soul has become troubled. It's a fun thing. It'd be a cool thing to do is grab your concordance or one of those online programs and just search when God is talking about his soul, my soul. It's fascinating, all the different things that God says about his own soul. So God has a soul. And inviting the soul of God to fill your soul is a phenomenal means to restoration. Inviting the soul of God to fill your soul. And you can be super specific on that. Like, What feels like it's being afflicted? It feels like, God, it just feels like my memory, my soul's memory is being afflicted. God, I invite the memory capacity of your soul in. It's like inviting literally the living waters into your being, but you are inviting union with God is how the soul is healed. I'm inviting your soul, inviting your soul, God, come into my longings, come into my courage, come into where my soul is is being assaulted. God, I invite your soul to fill my soul as a new way of praying and then lingering with it and staying there. Either when you are very aware of the attrition, the weariness of soul, the anguish of soul, 
or you're very aware of your soul having been assaulted, or when you find yourself looking for relief. Like that's a good indication too, that it's time to ask for this. When I find myself like, just like consuming, like, you know, looking for relief in some fashion, like that's a great time to go, oh, my soul. I wasn't aware of it, but apparently my soul is really hurting right now because I'm obviously looking for relief. And so much of the addictions of men is not about, it's not about money. It's not about sex. It's not about alcohol. It's about relief. What you're looking for is relief, right? And so as you find yourself looking for relief, then there's those moments to pause and say, God, I invite your soul into my need right now for relief. Come, come, I invite your soul into my soul. And then linger there, like stay there. And just let it happen and just pray it again and invite it again and pray it again. God, I pray that you would come into my soul. So interesting in the St. Patrick's breastplate, how much he talked about his soul and his soul's needs and his longing for his soul to be well and the assault against his soul. There's lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of other ways that God heals the soul. In fact, all of the Spiritual disciplines are designed to take care of your soul. But these are a few of them I just wanted to put before you, like stillness. How often do you get stillness? And beauty. You need beauty, like music that you love that like, and I'm not talking about like Twisted Sister or Nine Inch Nails or, you know, (laughs) like beauty, beauty, you know. And then scripture. And not necessarily doing Bible study, but just like drinking it in, just like consuming it because it revives the soul. And then what you abstain from, like abstaining from those things that you can tell are waging war against your soul. And then inviting his soul into your soul because it's a union thing. It's an intimacy thing. And I think this is one of those other places where like there's so much that's good about evangelicalism, there really is. And I am a product of it and I bless it. But language and our way of saying things ends up getting in the way of certain beautiful things. And we talk about having a relationship with the Lord, right? Like that's that's the big thing. You know, do you have a relationship with the Lord? And that's a good thing. And you want to have a real living relationship with the Lord or what you have is religion. So that's good. But we actually need something far more intimate than a relationship. We need union. Like your soul is actually made for union with God. That's what it's made for. And as the soul of God comes into your soul, that's where the restoration takes place. So here's my question to you. What are you going to do each day, each week, to allow God to restore your soul? What will you do each day, And each week, what will you do intentionally, purposefully to allow God to do what he wants to do, which is restore your soul? Jesus, we invite you to come and restore our souls. God, I give you my soul. I give you my soul. You are called the shepherd and the guardian of my soul. Jesus, come, shepherd, guard my soul. 
I invite your soul into my soul. I hope you've enjoyed this message from John. I'm Alan Arnold. You've been listening to the Ransomed Heart Podcast, and we hope to see you back next week.